0: Hello, and welcome to Clean Beauty School. I am your host and Mind Body Greens beauty director, Alexandra Engler. On this podcast, we explore beauty through the lens of well being. Thank you so much for joining me today. So on today's episode, we are doing a very special new year, uh, beauty catch-up episode. We've done a few of these in the past and to have our little catch-up, I have, uh, I have on my amazing beauty editor and coworker at my buddy green, Jamie Schneider. Uh, she is joining us today to talk about all of our favorite things that we learned in 2022, what we are bringing into the new year and, you know the products that we're kind of obsessed with lately so jamie welcome
1: hi thanks for having me i'm excited to be here
0: yeah i'm so excited to have you back as always uh and i'm so excited to go through all of the things that we were chatting about all of last year and uh you know get into the things that we're looking forward to in the new year which is crazy i can't believe that we're already here. How is it 2023? It's exciting though. I, I think 2023 is gonna
1: be a good year. I feel it.
0: Okay. All right. That's your that's your prediction for, for us. I hope so. <laughs> I'm counting on you. It better be a good year. <laughs> okay, so in 2020 we learned a lot, we covered a lot, we reported a lot, we talked to a lot of sources, uh, we tried a lot of products. And uh, you know, I am curious. What are the things that you loved, that you learned, and the trends that you saw? And you know, what what are you bringing with you into the new year? Uh, What's what's sticking around? What passed the test?
1: Yeah, definitely, skin cycling is sticking around. And for those who don't know, skin cycling is basically. Cycling through your active ingredients, so you exfoliate on night one, you use retinol on night two, and then give your skin two nights to recover using only hydrating ingredients before you start the process all over again. And this was actually coined by Dr. Whitney Bowe, who we love at My Body Green. She's one of our collective members. Uh, but we have actually been promoting skin cycling for years now on the site. We've always been a proponent of taking recovery days and just not overwhelming your skin with exfoliants and harsh actives. And we were actually one of the first to cover it as a TikTok trend, just to shout out the beauty team. But Dr. Bell as well has always been a champion of recovery days. And she, I think she said on this very podcast a while back the importance of just giving your skin barrier a break. So this is a trend we are going to continue to keep up with in 2023 for sure. And I think it'll definitely stick around. Yeah,
0: I completely agree. I
1: think, um, you know, we, like you said, we've always cared about
0: giving our barrier a little bit of a break and, you know, not feeling the need to constantly overwhelm your skin with these really potent actives. And, you know, these are actives that we love. No, you know, I love retinol. i love AHAs, but that doesn't mean you need to use them every night. Uh, And I think that's what the importance of skin cycling taught us.
1: Yeah. It's a great way to, especially if you are like a visual learner, it's just a great way to really understand what you should be doing. Because some people need like a really prescriptive routine, like do this on night one, this on night two. So it makes total sense why it, it blew up on TikTok.
0: Yeah, totally agree. I mean from my perspective I definitely think skin cycling is up there that's sticking around. I'm also just so excited about all of the research and innovations that are coming out about the skin microbiome which is, you know, something that we at Mindbodygreen uh, talk about quite a bit. I definitely talk about it on this podcast a lot. And you know, we we definitely have products uh, that are geared towards the microbiome. Um, but you know, I'm just really excited about what we have to look forward to in 2023 and just the years to come. I, uh, this past year I went to this conference, um, where I had a small speaking engagement and it was, um, it was about the skin microbiome. And, um, I, I ended up staying for the whole conference because I was just, so interested to learn about all of these latest developments that were being presented by, you know, these these top researchers and these top, uh, you know, biotech institutions, and I just felt so inspired by it. I I wrote up quite a few of the things that I learned at the conference and our most recent wellness trends. Um, and you know, so I'll definitely link that in the show notes. It's it's way too much to go over here and right now, but I I definitely was just blown away about the incredible work that people are doing. Um, and I I just think it further acknowledges the fact that the microbiome is the future of beauty, in my opinion. And being able and figuring out how we can be able to support it and optimize it and edit it and, uh, you know, nurture it, all of these things. I I think that is going to be the future of skincare and the future of health in general. And I just, I can't wait to see what sort of things that I I learned in 2023. Uh, I'm definitely going to try to get myself, or I'm definitely going to try to uh, score myself another invite to that conference again, because I, was so obsessed with everybody there, and and I want to go again next year so I can you know learn about all that again. But yeah, that's that's one thing that I'm excited to bring into the new year. Just keep a, keep
1: our eyes on that. I remember you telling me about that conference, and my mind was absolutely blown. I feel like you could write a whole book on everything you learned. So I'm shocked that you were able to compile it into the wellness trend, which is super robust. But there's so much more. I could easily have written a book about it. And
0: it like truly only skims the surface. I am so fascinated by it. Uh, What else do you got? What other trends are you keeping an eye on?
1: We actually predicted this trend back in 2021. We predicted that menopause skincare, the space would become way more sophisticated in 2022. And we definitely saw that happen. The market has definitely responded with a lot of Menopause specific products, new hormone focused products, um, and it was definitely about time. Um, What comes to mind right now are brands like Stripes by Naomi Watts, which launched this year, and Number Seven Beauty launched a new menopause range this year. And I also feel like people are just talking about it more. Like, for example, I was at a press breakfast last week for a hair brand, and it's not even a menopause focused brand, but one of the editors there asked about hair shedding during menopause and the brand had totally thought of that as part of their formulation and rollout plan. So I feel like people are just talking about it more and brands are including it in their marketing plans and business models. And yeah, it was definitely about time. So I think that's something that's for sure going to stick around in 2023 and I'm happy that it's going to do so.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I remember when I was talking to Naomi um, about stripes and you know one of her main things that she was talking about was this whole idea that it's this huge thing that more than half of the world's population will go through and we just don't talk about it we just pretend that it doesn't happen and it's you know this few years of people's lives that we just we stay completely silent about and it's just you know it's it's not serving anybody like that mindset. So, you know, we need to fold it into a broader part of the discussion. And I think that, I think that the beauty space is a natural place where you can talk about it because beauty is a way where you can talk about these things and connect with people on in like a really meaningful way in a way that feels organic and almost comforting. So I'm very much excited about, about this development too. It it feels it feels long overdue, and it feels really, um, you know, exciting.
1: I mean, people go into perimenopause in their 30s, like it's not, and and people are shocked and they have no idea what's about to come. And Naomi was saying that you sh- it shouldn't come as this giant shock, and you have no idea what to do. So I'm glad that we're talking about it now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I again, I, I think it's a really exciting development. I think the last thing that I was inspired by or the last thing that I'll talk about here that I was inspired by in 2020 that I'm for sure bringing in to 2023 is this whole idea of like very fun and like not so perfect makeup. Um, you know, I, we've talked about this quite a bit, um, especially internally with our beauty team, um, uh, kind of having this like Tumblr aesthetic resurgence right now, it's, you know, a little bit dubbed the indie sleaze, uh, aesthetic, And, you know, I think it's just kind of, it captures this idea that makeup doesn't have to be perfect and it could be kind of messy and fun and, you know, you, you can play around with it and you don't have to be super concerned that, you know, you're contouring the perfect way or you do the perfect cut crease or, you know, you make sure that your winged eyeliner is like identical on both sides. And I think it just kind of breathes a new life into makeup for me and this in this way that i have definitely like really appreciated and i i was thinking about why i think it's like such a refreshing um trend in the beauty space and you know i think it, in in my 20s i was definitely uh, in the era of youtube tutorials and instagram perfect makeup and, you know, certainly that had its place in time and I, you know, I I can understand why it took off when it did and it was part of the zeitgeist, but it also just felt very prescriptive for makeup and it, you know, it made you feel like unless you could do the perfect cat eye, then like why, why bother? Um, and now I just kind of feel like people are having a little bit more fun again and it's just, it doesn't need to be perfect and you don't need to be this like YouTube- expert sort of thing. You can just honestly just kind of like put on a little bit of eyeshadow and smudge it around and add your coal liner and add a swiper to a mascara and like you're out the door and that's a perfectly, you know, put together look or, you know, you just don't really think about it too much and it's just makeup kind of just becomes this like playful thing again And I, I just think it's a lot of fun, and I think it's encouraged me to even get back into makeup a little bit more than I have um, in the past few years. Like, I, I've been wearing like sparkly eyeshadow on the weekends. I'm like, I can't remember the last time I did that, but it's fun.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I remember last catch up that we did when we were talking about indie sleeves, and we were both like, Oh no, oh no, what's happening? The Tumblr aesthetic. But yeah, I love that approach. I definitely have caught myself wearing a wing like in my everyday makeup look, whereas I never would have done that because I I can't do it perfectly. I totally agree.
0: Yeah. And it's like not necessarily that I'm like back to Tumblr grunge because I'm definitely not, but (laughs) it is just more, it's more of like the permission of not being perfect that I like and resonating with, and I think that that is something that we can all just you know uh, uh, subscribe to in our in our makeup routines. It doesn't have to be the perfect cut crease. <laughs> okay, so that is what we saw in 2020 that we were big fans of. But let's move forward into the new year. Uh, you know we we are starting a new year fresh. And I'm curious, what do you predict? what What sort of trends do you see? The inklings of, um, and
1: uh, you know, what what do you predict is going to grow? So I've been seeing so much interesting information on the skin circadian rhythm lately. And to back up, we know that the connection between sleep and beauty is so real like there's a reason why you wake up with dark circles or a duller skin tone after a night of poor sleep like beauty sleep is very real and we know that but your skin actually has its own circadian rhythm and studies have shown that your skin has its own set of clock genes which isn't a new discovery like we've known that for years but i think the industry is really starting to catch up in terms of the best times to use certain products For better absorption and to honor those clock genes. And the way I think about this is, I think beauty follows the food industry in a lot of ways. Like, we've definitely seen that with upcycled ingredients and biotech ingredients and the boom of lab derived botanicals. Like, those are both very big in the food space as well. And with food, we know that there are certain times to eat to honor your body's circadian rhythm. Like, people, experts say to not eat super late at night because that's when your metabolism slows down and that's when your body goes into rest and digest mode. And so I think we're seeing that same line of thinking in skincare where your skin cells are more receptive to certain ingredients at different times of the day. And some brands, which I I can't talk about quite yet, are introducing these really cool products that are just so aligned with the skin's gene clock and help activate those functions and then help that in turn helps the product work even better because it's in line with your skin circadian rhythm. So I think that's such an interesting space that we're going to see a lot in the new year.
0: Totally. All right, everybody, you just got a little peek behind the curtain. (laughs) There's going to be cool new products coming out. Stay tuned for more info. (laughs) I... Yeah, no. I just want to quickly say I've, I'm obsessed with this development. When you started talking about this and started talking about you know these new developments and you know this reporting that you've been doing on the skin circadian rhythm, my mind is just like so blown. I love this. I I think it is so smart. I think that it is something that people are definitely going to be paying attention to in the coming year. Um, I'll say about me, I. I'm excited to be hitting up spas <laughs> and spending more time at these, like, cool new beauty and wellness centers that we are seeing, um, you know, uh, pop up, especially in big cities. Um, that, you know, tends to be where they are more generally located. But, uh, you know, we've wrote about it in Wellness Trends, and I personally am trying to make it a... Um, not necessarily a resolution, but just something to be more mindful of is that, you know, I want to spend more time at these spaces. And, you know, like I love going to bath, bath houses. Like I love any sort of like water therapy or hot and cold therapy. I, I think that they are like such a beautiful way to relax. And in New York, I am lucky enough to have several options available to me. I know not everybody does, but you know, because I do live in New York, I I do have options. And, you know, I just, every time I go, I'm always like, why don't I do this more? It makes me feel so much better. I love going with like my girlfriends. I love, you know, like booking myself a facial or just not even booking a facial, just going on a Saturday afternoon and like, you know, going in one of the bathhouses and chatting or going to one of these, you know, wellness spaces and hanging out and getting various treatments or whatever it is. And, you know, like I do feel very lucky that I have access to these. I do just want to take advantage of them a little bit more. And I do genuinely think that. As we, you know, enter 2023, and then also, you know, the years to come, I do think that people are going to be congregating around these spaces. Um, you know, bathing culture has always been, or has a long and rich history in a lot of cultures around the world. You know, Scandinavia has really rich bathing culture. Asia has really rich bathing culture. Certain parts of Latin America has really rich bathing culture. Um, Austria, Russia, you know, like. The list can go on. Um, And the U.S. has been a little bit slow to catch up. Um, You know, certainly there are people who have long gone to bathhouses in the States, but – It's it's just been a little bit slower for the US to catch up to spa and bathing culture, and I think now people are starting to understand that you know it's more than just pampering yourself. It's about community. It's about connecting. It's about you know finding time to care for your body Um, and just relaxing, turning off the phone, putting your phone in a locker, and go sitting you know and chatting with your friends for a few hours. And I. I just, you know, I, I hope that these spaces really catch on and I, I hope that, you know, we start to see people really come to understand the benefits of these sort of spaces and why they have been so successful for centuries in so many cultures. And, you know, we can just start utilizing their benefits in our own lives. And I, I'm i going to be more mindful about, you know, trying to make time for myself in this way because I just, I think they're hugely
1: beneficial. Yeah. I totally agree. And I loved what you wrote in your wellness trend about uh, beauty and wellness spas and uh, spaces that you can maybe book a facial and go for that. And then you leave having gone to a meditation or a sound bath, like you, you try something new. And I think that is such a beautiful thing and something that maybe you never would have tried in the past. So I totally agree.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's about introducing yourself to new ideas and you know, new modalities. And uh, you know, I think there's a lot of benefits to that.
1: All right, what else do you got? Well, kind of on a similar note, I think, and maybe it's because these beauty and wellness spaces are kind of fusing together, but I think more and more people are honoring the beauty spirituality connection. Uh, And we are seeing that with super fun trends like aura nails, if you've seen that on TikTok, and more generally, aura makeup uh, and routines based on your astrological sign. Those are all super fun. And I think it also speaks to this bigger point that beauty does have this spiritual connection. And so I think we're going to see a bunch of trends in that same vein in 2023. I think things like lunar hair care will be big this year. Um, And I think it also is because the new year always or for a lot of people people feel inspired maybe to tap into their spirituality and so i think it might just be a natural shift for people that they want to start viewing beauty in this way so that's what i predict will be a big thing yeah
0: i i love it's because i am such a sucker for all things astrology and um you know anything in this vein and i think beauty has so many deeper connections to you know spirituality and um, yeah I think there's if listen if you consider yourself a spiritual person then I think that there are ways to use beauty to connect to yourself and you know if you're not a spiritual person then like then you can just use your skincare for other reasons you know it's it's just kind of
1: like whatever. Yeah, whatever you're interested in. It's no coincidence that aura nails and aura makeup have become so huge. I think, yes, these are fun, but it does speak to that larger point that you and I both talk about.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I honestly I'm seeing a little bit of a through line in a lot of the stuff that we're talking about, and it really does speak to this idea of like being kind and gentle, and you know using beauty in this way that feels like less pressured. Um, And one of the ways that I am seeing that is hair color. And maybe this is just like a little bit of a perception bias for myself. Um, But I, you know, I I think that I, you know, I'm seeing a lot of hair color trends that feel less maintenance. And it's more about, you know, like – softer colors or maybe like going back to your something that looks a little bit more similar to your natural to your natural color you know i think you saw like a, a lot of celebrities um not getting the full head of blonde highlights and you know embracing a little bit of like darker more brunette chocolatey hues which were you know perhaps more in line with our natural hair color, or you are just seeing like balayage, but it's a really, really soft balayage and not like high contrast, or, you know, you're, you're seeing these colors that just feel like really lived in. Um, and I think that there's just like something to this idea that, you know, hair color should feel, People want hair color to feel effortless and easy. And um, I think that resonates with people right now. And again, I feel like I'm a little bit biased to this point because I am somebody who has just completely stopped going to coloring appointments. And, you know, like I have spent the last decade of my life coloring my hair. And I'm just sort of like, I don't really want to not that I never want to do it again, but I'm just like, I just need a break. Like I just don't want to like go to the colorist every three months and, you know, sit in the chair for three hours. And it just doesn't really, it just didn't feel all exciting to me anymore. And I was like, I think, I think I just need to give my hair a break, stop coloring it for a while, just like let my roots grow in, let the blonde fade a little bit, you know, go back to a little bit more of my natural hair color and then reevaluate the situation from there. And I, I, honestly, I'm loving it. It's been great. And like, I've gotten like a few compliments on my hair color. And for the first time in my life, I can be like, yeah, it's mine. (laughs) Um, and I also think this speaks to the idea that, you know, um, times, uh, are, you know, a little bit tighter right now. Uh, you know, certainly the recession and, um, increase in, uh, prices across the board, uh, has cut into people's budgets quite a bit. And I think one of the first areas that you do tend to cut back on are these beauty treatments. And, you know, I, I completely get it. I completely get why people would. And I think that, you know, perhaps going back to a little bit more natural hair color, or maybe focusing on doing things at home is just an easy way for people to to cut back and um, you know still look polished and still look good, um, but you know maybe they're not doing the really expensive highlighting appointments, and you know maybe they're stretching out their time in between appointments or maybe they're trying boxed color for the first time, or, you know, maybe they're, they trying these like really great new at home glosses that you're seeing pop up around, uh, brands, um, you know, are launching, um, or just, you know, any of these really great at home hair color options. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I think there's a little bit of a connection there. Um, and I'm personally excited
1: about it because that's what I'm choosing to do. <laughs> and I'm curious, like, When you just, when you decided to make that change, did you dabble in the at-home products or were you just like, I'm going to embrace my natural color? And that was that.
0: I have not done, I've done a gloss, but I haven't done like any like at-home dye or anything like that. Like nothing, nothing more than a semi-permanent gloss. Um, I haven't dabbled in any of the like permanent, um, hair colors at all. I, I will still tone because I still do have some blonde highlights in there um, just from a long time ago. So I will tone those with like a purple shampoo just because like they're getting to the end. They're fading quite a bit. They can get a little brassy. And so like I do tone them with a purple shampoo just to like uh, get some some of those like brassy tones out. But other than that, I've kind of just been like letting my hair do its thing and just, yeah, trying to Trying to keep it hydrated. Trying to give it a break. Just let it
1: let it be. Love it. Well, it looks great. Yeah.
0: Thanks. (laughs)
1: Um, Okay. My last trend is—it's not really a trend, so I'll just go out and say it. Allantoin. I've seen this ingredient in so many new products lately, and you and I were actually talking about this in the Mind Body Green office. How it's—we think it's going to become the new niacinamide, where It's an ingredient that isn't quote unquote new, but it's now in the spotlight in such a major way. And it makes total sense why that is the case. It's really moisturizing and soothing. It also has brightening properties. And I've seen it in so many new products on the market lately. Uh, For example, it's in my favorite milky toner from Paula's Choice. Uh, And it has just kind of flown under the radar until recently. Like, I'll be honest, I didn't even know how to pronounce this word until this year. So I think brands have definitely taken it and ran and consumers are loving it. And I think they'll continue to do so this year.
0: Totally. It's definitely the new niacinamide. It is this ingredient that has been in products for quite some time, but all of a sudden, you know, people started using it in their marketing materials. And so we're all obsessed with it. And like, granted it's in a lot of some of my favorite products too. And I had no idea. I just like didn't even pay attention to it on the inky list. I was
1: like, Oh, okay, you know whatever. and now it's popping up. having a moment. who is her publicist? We need she's getting a rebrand.
0: <laughs> she is
1: she's getting a rebrand. Well, I am happy for her. she
0: deserves that. <laughs> okay, well, the last thing that I am looking forward to is mind body Green has a new body oil out um I love this body oil it is it's a dry body oil um and just a little bit of you know clarification education uh on what the difference between a dry body oil is is it's just it just comes down to the texture and how fast it absorbs um dry body oils uh, it's a it, It's a term that, you know, people have used to just describe lighter body oils, um, ones that are faster absorbing, ones that kind of don't really like leave that film on the skin. Um, And that is what we set out to create when we were, you know – trying all these body oils and you were like, gosh, you know, what, what do we like? What do we think resonates with people? You know, what, what do I personally use or what, you know, wh- what, do folks on our staff personally use? And, you know, it really came out that people were just really interested and hungry for something that like felt really light. It felt easy to apply. It, it was super fast absorbing. It didn't leave that film. It was just like pretty effortless. Um, and so we set out to create that and I really, really think we did. I love the texture so much. I've been using this for like a year and a half now, um, just because I've had samples of it, um, that I have been using, um, during this, you know, formulation process. And it is, I mean, I use it everywhere. I use it in my hair. I use it on my hands. I use it full Body. I use it as a cuticle oil. I I don't use it on my face, but like I could. It's full of you know really good ingredients, Um, and it's you know it's made with the primary oils that you're going to see in there are uh, sunflower seed oil and organic safflower seed oil. Um, You're going to see a little bit of squalene in there, prickly pear seed oil, vitamin E. Um, You know, so it's just like these really incredible uh antioxidant rich oils that are all plant derived and are just so light and so delightful um i yeah i just i love it i'm so so happy that it is on the market and in people's hands um i think it is the perfect time of year to get your hands on a good body oil because it is dry and cold out there at least it is in new york and yeah i just
1: i cannot speak highly enough of this formula. I love it. I can attest. It is it has changed my relationship with body oils. It is the most fast absorbing body oil I've ever tried. It is it's truly a joy to spread on your skin. Like you know how some body oils feel like tacky isn't the right word, but you can't really blend it in. It's hard to rub into your skin. This one, it really has such a good glide and it feels so nice. I love applying it right before I go out like after I shower before I'm going out at night it gives your skin such a nice glow. I'm obsessed with it. I know everybody listening will be obsessed with it too. It's truly a hero product. Yeah.
0: I well thank you so much. I Means the world to me, Jamie. Um I but yeah, I love it too. I I have been using this for quite some time so I'm just so excited for other people to get to use it. Um, and, you know, definitely, definitely excited about that for the new year and, you know, excited about hopefully a few other things on the way. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's definitely my hot ticket item at the moment. Um, all right. So we are moving into our beauty hot takes. So this is a question that I've recently started asking guests. Um, and it was actually your idea to start asking this question. So I, I obviously had to ask you, Jamie, what is your beauty hot take?
1: I know. I'm like, why don't we ask people to stir the pot? Let's do it. <laughs> um, okay. I'm going to caveat mine by saying people can do whatever they want to with their makeup. Like I, I don't want to tell anyone to do their makeup in a certain way. I'm just going to give my hot take on what I think about this look. I'm not about the tired eyes trend and the sad girl aesthetic makeup. Um, I think it's great that people want to embrace their under eye bags. Personally, I don't need makeup to embrace my dark circles. I just need to, you know, wake up. So for me, it kind of perpetuates the idea that sure, eye bags are chic, and they're cool. But only if you have like a Little discoloration on the inner corners, and only if you do them in this very contrived way. The same thing with crying girl makeup. I certainly do not have a dot of red blush on my nose when I cry. I have snot everywhere, mascara everywhere. So, on the one hand, I'm like, is it expressing vulnerability or is it perpetuating a new like beauty standard almost where there's a quote unquote right way to look sad or to look tired? So, yeah, I'm not about it. How do you feel? Yeah, no, it's I was definitely
0: really taken aback when the tired eyes trend started happening. I I I think you told me or maybe a friend told me that, you know, on TikTok people were purposely putting, you know, purple uh pigment under their eyes or just, you know, really playing up uh, having tired eyes and just as somebody who has spent her whole life covering up <laughs> her dark circles with concealer, I was like, I personally will not be choosing to do this. Um, this is not something that I certainly would want to do. Um, but no, I mean, I I think you wrote about the sad girl aesthetic uh in a really really thoughtful manner um in that story you did recently so i'll add that in the show notes and yeah you know i think that i i agree with you in the fact that it really just kind of like set this idea up that you know it's chic to look tired but you have to do it in this like really perfect way and i just i don't know is that what we need to be spending our time on
1: Yeah. And I I remember I talked to Chloe Carmichael for that piece, who is a psychologist. And she was like, look, the sad girl predates social media. Like when you think about poetry and art, people have been romanticizing the sad girl for years. The difference is on TikTok, it's like you are your own muse in a way that you're getting all of these secondary gains from all the likes and the comments. So... She was saying it might turn into this self fulfilling prophecy and actually perpetuate sadness. So she didn't think it was a good idea for mental health. So I thought that was an interesting take as well.
0: Yeah, that is really interesting. And like, it's, yeah, it's a tough balance because, you know, you do want to honor your emotions and you do want to, you know, feel what you have to feel. But when you glamorize it in a certain way, I don't know if that's the right way to necessarily honor those emotions um and i think it can lead to this to this idea of what you're saying where it just kind of like perpetuates the problem um so it's really interesting it's definitely like an interesting thing to think about and to to explore um so i'm curious to see what happens in the new year and if like this continues and not necessarily just the sad girl or tired eyes aesthetic but like how this continues to evolve and if we continue to see you know this sort of like subtrend kind of bubble under the surface it's it's definitely interesting i'm yeah okay alex what is your beauty hot take my beauty hot take um has to do with the use of liquid plastics um we actually wrote about this in our wellness trends. Um, But I just want to talk about it a little bit here too, just because like, I do think it's a really, really interesting problem in the beauty industry. And one that we certainly do not have a solution for quite yet. Um, But I'm a big believer that if you don't acknowledge the problem or you don't talk about the problem, then how can you be expected to find a solution? Um, And so just a little bit of background. Liquid plastics are extremely prevalent in a lot of formulas. Um, these are uh, polymers that um, take a liquid consistency. So, you know, you'll see them in a lot of serums. You'll see them in a lot of moisturizers. You'll see them in a lot of hair care products. Um and they go by many, many different names. Um, a lot of them are, you know, silicones, but you know, you'll certainly see other names on the ingredient list. Um, they are typically um, fossil fuel derived, um, so petrochemicals. Um, and my issue with them isn't necessarily that they are "quote unquote" toxic for the skin. Like, I know that that is what a lot of people have confusion about. Um, And that's not necessarily the argument I'm making. Um, The argument that I am making is that if the beauty industry and big beauty brands uh, spend so much time talking about the fact that we need to lessen our reliance on plastic packaging, then we should acknowledge the other huge area of plastic use which is in the formula itself and you know i i think we are all so much more aware of microplastics right now and um It's a little bit still up for debate if, you know, how you qualify liquid plastics and if they technically fall into the microplastic category or if they're own separate thing. It really just depends on who you talk to at this point. Some people say they're the same thing. Some people say that they should be classified as two different things. Um, And, you know, I just – I think that the beauty industry has made tremendous progress in trying to switch to, you know, PCR packaging or – Plant-based resins, or glass, or aluminum, or you know, finding innovative ways to um, get away from virgin plastic, and I think it's really admirable. And I just think that this is the next iteration of what we need to be talking about. And you know, I I certainly don't say this in a shamey way or like these brands out here are horrible and you have to boycott them. That's not what I'm saying at all. Like. These exist in so many different formulas. Certainly they exist in formulas that I still use. I, you know, I'm not above this, um, but it's just something that we need to figure out. And there are a lot of exciting developments that are happening, especially in biotech and um, about like how they, we can create new ingredients to replace these. And so like there, there's hope on the horizon, right? Like this isn't, we're not gonna have to use liquid plastics forever. Like people are doing really cool things to you know create new ingredients um that will be able to replace these and be better for the earth um but you know it's it's just one of those things that like i just wish that the beauty industry was better about acknowledging this because we spend so much time talking about um you know the beauty industry needs to reduce our use of plastic products and it's like well this is a huge use of plastic in the beauty industry is the products, the formulas themselves. Um, and so yeah, I that's that's my hot take. And you know, I I whenever I talk about this sort of like sustainability stuff and the beauty space, I do, I do always want to acknowledge brands that are trying. And I do want to say like I think that's good. I think a lot of times you'll see brands say like, oh, we switched to PCR or we switched to aluminum and, sometimes you you see people give them they'll say oh well aluminum has this issue with it or you know we switch to glass and people will say well glass is really heavy to ship so what does that do for the carbon footprint and it gets like the mud it just muddies the waters and it makes things really really confusing because people don't know what's the actual best choice um or the most sustainable choice and i think my opinion on that is just like at least we're trying and at least we're trying to come up with a solution. And I think that there's a lot of value in that. And I think there's a lot of honor in that and it's not easy. And I think that like, yeah, I just want to like give a quick caveat that like, I'm not, this isn't like a takedown of anyone in the beauty space. It's, there are like really good developments happening. And like, there are a lot of people doing a lot of good work. And like, I think that we should celebrate that because at the end of the day, people are going to use beauty products. So we need to figure out a way to get better versions and like more sustainable versions of those products out to people because people are going to buy these products
1: regardless. Yeah. I think the conversation can turn really futile really fast. And I like that you said, everyone's doing the best we can. And we, it's important to be mindful, but great developments are happening. Um, And yeah, I remember you saying a while back that the formula doesn't disappear once you wash it down the drain. And I think that really changed my perspective. And I think it changed a lot of people's because you use something, you wash it off, and you kind of expect that it just disappears. And with these liquid plastics, it really doesn't. So I think it's important to talk about.
0: Yeah. No, for sure. I mean products have a full life cycle and we need to be mindful of what happens when, when we take them off. All right. The last section is we are going to talk about what we are using as of late. Um, so, you know, if you guys follow our site, you've probably seen our weekly featurette called as of late, um, where, you know, we interview some of our favorite folks in the beauty and wellness spaces about the, products that they are using as of late. Um, it has turned out to be such a fun franchise. I know we all like have been really, really pleasantly surprised just, you know, with the good reception we've gotten on it. And, you know, I, I love reading them. I, I love interviewing people for them. I just, I think this is a, a great little series that we have and yeah, I just thought it'd be fun to, to talk about it here. So Jamie, what are you using as of late?
1: All right. So I'm going to start out with my tried and true. It is a moisturizer that I rave about to everyone I meet. Honestly, whenever someone asks me about my routine, I will mention it. I've gone through multiple jars. It is the Edom Cloud Cushion Moisturizer. And not only is it this like delicious, fluffy moisturizer that is so hydrating It has something called a smart melanin technology that treats the overproduction of melanin, which is what's responsible in most cases for hyperpigmentation, melasma, things like that. And at the same time, it actively prevents future breakouts. And I'm someone who deals with very stubborn dark spots post-breakout and they would never really go away just because as soon as I treated one, another breakout would pop up and then the dark spot would appear and it was like this constant cycle. And this was the only thing that broke that cycle, I swear. And it's it was a moisturizer. And yeah, as I said, it's so hydrating and fluffy and has such a great texture. I seriously cannot recommend it enough. It is my tried and true. Love it. What else you got for me? Okay, so my surprise hit is the new Kosas Spray-On Serum. And I want to start by saying I am not a face mist person. Like I would usually use one just because it feels good or it smells good. Uh, But this one is one that I actually need in my skincare routine. And when I first got it in the mail, I thought it was a setting spray because Kosas is obviously a makeup brand. But They were very clear that this is not a setting spray. It's their first skincare product. It's meant to go on after cleansing. It's basically like a hyaluronic acid peptide serum in spray form. And it really works. Like When I I use it after my vitamin C and my skin is so soft and dewy, I'm now a spray convert. The pleasure or the splurge, we go back and forth, is the Augustina spotter, the face cream mask, which launched just this November. And Alex, you know this about me, but I love a morning mask moment. Like when I have the time to apply a mask, drink my coffee, listen to a podcast, like truly nothing is more luxurious to me. And Augustina spotter is definitely a splurge as well. But I really love this mask. It has their signature trigger factor complex, which is in all of their skincare products. Um, It has vitamin C, it has ginseng, and a bunch of other antioxidants. And the applicator is also really cool. It's like this cool, smooth little disc or board that you can use as a face massager while you apply it. So it's such a treat, I love it. And then finally, I'll highlight something that I think is up and coming. And this was actually part of our wellness trends this year, but I would just love to shout out the biotech beauty space. I think we're seeing so much of it lately, especially in the natural beauty space where it's much more sustainable to ferment a natural ingredient in a lab than harvest tons and tons and tons of it and potentially mess with the ecosystem. And also when you create these lab derived ingredients, you can create these highly concentrated bioactives and just make the skincare product itself that more effective. So I think it's a really exciting space. And I think we're going to see more and more clean and natural brands gravitating towards that. Um, And we can link that wellness trend in the show notes as well. But a few of the brands that I'm loving are Evolves by Nature's uh, New Barrier Emulsion Serum. Acaderma has a great serum. Uh, Codex Labs has some really cool biotech products, um, and then Amaris—I think I'm pronouncing that right. It's the biotech company that is that works with brands like JVN and Biosans and Stripes by Many Watts. Um, so that's how they create their like fermented um, plant-based quinine with sugar cane. So I think that's just such an up-and-coming trend that we're going to see a lot. Totally, yeah. I, um, I love that story
0: and I think that this development in the beauty space is um, exciting and much needed and um, it's like the perfect marriage of technology and nature and like this really beautiful way and it just – I don't know. It feels like a very
1: mind-body-green thing. Totally. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What have you been using as of late?
0: All right. Well, my tried and true is the Marie Veronique C.E. Ferulic. Um, this is my favorite vitamin C serum. I, I use an antioxidant serum every day. Um, sometimes twice a day. It depends what I'm doing at night. Like sometimes I'll do an AHA or retinol at night, but, um, for the most part, I always do it in the morning. Um, and this is my absolute favorite, um, You know, I I certainly try a lot of antioxidant serums, and I try to keep up to date what's on the market. But this one will always have a special place in my heart. It is, you know, Marie Veronique is a cosmetic chemist, and so it is just brilliantly formulated. It's, um, I call it like the clean dupe for the Skinceuticals one. Um, and I mean, I personally like like this one even better than the Skinceuticals one. Um. I just think it like really complements my specific skin. Um, I I think you know vitamin C and E are amazing for collagen production, for brightening, et cetera, et cetera. It is just like, yeah, it's just it's the one that I just I can never let go of. I I love it. Um, all right, my surprise hit is. Um, the Victoria Beckham Beauty Lid Lusters—they um, they're like little eyeshadows, but they're very glittery and very fun. And I—I I mean, Victoria Beckham Beauty is just like stunning. Um, so it wasn't a surprise hit, and the fact that like I was surprised that it was good product. I mean, obviously that whole. Line is stunning. I just don't think I like realize how like delightful I was going to find them. Like, I think it just kind of goes back to like having fun with makeup and wearing like playful makeup again. Like, it just felt like applying them just felt like so so fun. I was just like so delighted by it. I got them um, last week and I ended up wearing them all weekend. And it's definitely going to be my. Uh, you know, my like glam look, um, for at least, you know, the next (laughs) few or a few months, maybe. Um, I just, I think they're so fun. So it was, it was a pleasant surprise. Um, my carry on, I, I love traveling. Um, and I, I'd like to think I have my beauty routine down to a science, uh, when I'm traveling. And one thing that I always bring with me when I am traveling is this lila B virtuous veil concealer. So um, these products they they come in these like little white, uh, almost like they almost look like stones and they're refillable and um so you just kind of like pop in a little magnetic palette um with you know whatever your concealer color is and i have had my little concealer stone thing for ages. I mean, it is so beat up at this point, but I just, you know, keep on popping in new little concealers. And I and I love it because it is like it's nice and slim and it's just like a really like creamy concealer and I I keep it on me when I travel because my skin always looks really bad when I travel and like especially if I'm taking a red eye or if I'm on like a particularly long flight. Um you know, I get off the plane and I look rough and this is just my way to kind of like tap on a little bit of concealer, put it on my, under my eyes. You know, I tap it around redness around like the nose usually, cause it, that gets a little red or I may have some on the cheek. So I kind of like spread it out and, you know, make it a little bit more of like a foundation moment. Um, and I, yeah, I love it. It, I also carry it with me like just in life. Um, it's kind of like my concealer that I just like always have on me. I loved it in the pandemic because, you know, you would wear your masks and you would take off your masks and my face would be all red. So this would just be like a little thing that I could just like tap on. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my thing that I always carry on for all my flights and I literally can't fly without it. Um, and then the pleasure, um, air ancient baths. So we talked about bathing culture and spa culture, and uh, this is just my favorite place to go in New York City. And it is pricey. It is definitely a treat, and I consider it a treat when I go. And you know, I book myself like a four-hour session or whatever it is. Um, but I, I just, I love it, and. You know, I I feel like for these stories, I so often I will talk to people and they'll say, you know, their pleasures are massages or facials and stuff like that. And this is just kind of like my version of that. Like I just love going there and spending, you know, half a day there and in, in the pools. Like I just, it is. I like I never feel better than when I when I leave there. It's so beautiful there. You can't go there and not feel relaxed. I mean, it's just. It's like, uh, honestly, like one of my favorite things to do. If you live in New York, (laughs) this is what you should do. Uh, Go to Arrange Baths and then walk over to Chinatown and go to Deluxe Greenbow and get dumplings. And that is like literally like my favorite treat. I, yeah, I love it. It's what I do every time I go to Arrange Baths.
1: (laughs) So if you live in New York, that's what you should do. (laughs) I'm doing that next time for sure.
0: It's, I mean, it's like truly like nothing makes me happier getting dumplings after spending the whole day in a hot tub basically. (laughs) Okay. Well, this was such a fun episode. Thank you so much for joining me again. I always look forward to having you on and I am always so excited to hear about what you've been reporting on lately and what you're using. And yeah, it's just such a blast. Basically, we just get to record our normal day-to-day conversations and here we are.
1: (laughs) I know this is so fun. Thank you for having me. Um, Always love doing these catch-ups. So excited for the next one in the new year. Thank you so much for listening
0: to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. For more beauty content from the team at MindBuddyGreen, you can always read along with our content at mindbuddygreen.com, follow us on social media, and of course, tune in to next week's episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to rate and review us. And if you ever want to reach out with questions or insights or thoughts, you can find me on Instagram at Alex underscore Blair underscore. Thanks so much for your time.